Turn with me, please, to two openings in the scriptures. Philippians, the third chapter, and Hebrews chapter 12. Now, we've been on a subject for some uh, weeks now called Perfection Through Correction. And everybody's really excited about it. You can, did you feel the surge when I said that? No, it is, it is wonderful. <laughs> Perfection through correction. Notice in Philippians, the third chapter. Philippians chapter 3, beginning about verse uh, 12, I believe it is. He said, uh, not as though I had already attained. We might say today that I have already arrived or already reached that place. Either we're already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ. What did the Lord choose us for and lay hold of us for? He chose us and laid hold of us so that we could attain unto complete Christ-likeness, which is perfection. You and I are called to perfection. Now, we need revelation of what he even means by the word. But we just need to accept by faith that if he called us to it, it must be possible. Whether we see it and understand it or not, must believe. In verse 13, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Paul, who's one of the best examples of a believer and a Christian, disciple, follower of the Lord, minister of the Lord that there's ever been who had multiple visitations by the head of the church, saw the master, heard him, received revelation direct from heaven. And yet he said, I don't count myself that I have arrived, that I have apprehended this, the, all this perfection that we've been called to. But this one thing I do, forgetting the things that are behind, And reaching forth to those things are before. What he's not doing is saying what many Christians say. Well, nobody's perfect. And the implication, nobody could be. He's not doing that. He's not claiming he's arrived. But he's not sitting still either. He's coming on up. He's moving on up. I press. Toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What is that that high mark? What is that high call? It's being like him. It's being just like him. Now the enemy will try to convince you that you're just an old sinner. Hopefully saved by grace. But that you're just a a mess and you're going to make mistakes every day and you wouldn't be able to, probably wouldn't be able to make it through 30 minutes without sinning. 
Lies. I said lies. All of us have missed it. That's why we need Jesus. Right? But the truth is, you and I could go day after day and month after month and not miss it. Jesus went his whole life. And he did it not as God. He did it as a man. Proving it could be done. Showing how to do it. Elsewise, it wouldn't be fair to expect us as human beings to do something that only God could do. That wouldn't be fair. No, when he's talking about perfection, as we've already given scriptures along this line, let me give you some again. Jesus said, and, and don't turn there, just uh, you can just stay where you are. Matthew 5:48, he said, "Be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect." Do we just ignore that? Luke 6:40, Jesus said, "The disciples not above his master, but every one that is perfect shall be as his master." He said, "You're not going to pass me." But you can be just like me. Do most Christians believe that? No, they don't believe that. But you've got to make up your mind. Are you going to believe him? Are you going to believe people's ideas about him? The Bible tells us that's why God gave us ministry gifts. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. He gave them to us for the perfecting of the saints. So that we might... Grow up to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. There's been a distortion of the message of grace. And the the idea is that Jesus accepts everybody just like you are. Isn't that true? No. You are to come to him just as you are. You are not to remain just as you are. We're called to become more like him every day of our lives. We're moving towards complete Christ-likeness, which is perfection. If you say, well, I, I, I'm not, I can't, there's no need in trying. You believe in lies and you're being lazy. It's convenient to believe that. So then there's no reason to even try because I could never even get close anyway. Well, that's Jesus. <laughs> yeah. And everything he did, he did as a man. Amen. With no unfair advantage. The Bible said in Philippians, if you read others. Translations especially, he laid aside his mighty weight and power and glory and became like other men. Didn't stop being God, but he emptied himself of his abilities as God. And while he was on the earth, he functioned as a man and did what he did as a man. Elsewise, like we've already said, how could he be our example? Didn't he say, if you believe on me, the works I do, you'll do also. And greater works than these shall you do. 
because I go to the Father. If he had stayed, things would have just got greater and greater. But he wasn't here only to do ministry in the earth. He was here to show us how to do it. And then he was here to give himself as the final sacrifice. Hallelujah. And he has done that. We are called to Christ-like perfection. Don't let that discourage you. Let that excite you. Because if the Lord says that's where you're going, then that's where you're going. Hallelujah. Thanks be to God. What a high call. Can you see why I call it a high calling? Hallelujah. High calling. (laughs) Don't argue with the Lord. Don't try to tell him how you can't do stuff. He just won't even hear it. (laughs) He knows who you are, what you are. He made you. He, He knows what he has given you and what you can do with that. You cannot con him. If you couldn't do it before he told you to do it, when he told you to do it, it enabled you to do it. His word is enabling. Glory to God. Now he's not talking about perfection of mind. He's not talking about perfection of flesh. He's not talking about perfection of performance. Because in this life, we're not going to know everything. And the parts we don't know is where we can get into trouble and make mistakes and assume things. He's talking about perfection of heart. And we can have a perfect heart before the Lord every day of our life. It's a choice. Wholehearted completely committed to him. Look with me in the 12th chapter of Hebrews, please. Now, chapter 12 in Hebrews comes right after chapter 11. Did you know that? What's in chapter 11? Faith, 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 and I'm not saying half of it. It is the great hall of fame of faith chapter. Isn't it? And it tells us in the beginning part of the chapter that without faith, it is impossible to please God. That means there is no way. I don't care how hard you pray, how long you pray. If you don't pray in faith, you cannot please God with that prayer. Or how much you give, I don't care how big the amount is, if you don't do it in faith, it didn't please the Lord. Every part of our life, we should be very big on faith, because he is. Do you want to please him? Well, got to be some faith in it. And uh, chapter 12, he didn't change the subject. He flows out of that. This wasn't written in chapter and verse, talking about faith, faith, faith. Look in chapter 12, verse 1. 12.1, wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, faith witnesses, Abraham, Elijah, all those guys that were mentioned earlier, David, let us lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. What kind of race? It's a faith race. He hadn't changed subjects. He's talking about the same thing. Are there things that can hinder you running your faith race? 
Obviously there are. He mentions two main categories. Sins and weights. Sins are things you know better. The basic definition of a sin. Is a violation of light. You, it's either something you know you shouldn't be doing. Or something you know you should be doing. That you're not doing. Sin is violating what you know. But then wait. There's some things, they're not sins, but they're just unnecessary burdens in your life. And they're hindering you and holding you back. He said, get rid of both of these so you can run your race. Keep reading. Verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Now, that word finishers, other translations, perfecter. The perfecter of our faith, or, or just the perfecter of faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now I want to read several of these verses, so just just stay with me, please. Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Now let's keep in mind, he's talking about faith. He's talking about running your race. Look into Jesus, the faith master. The perfecter of faith. You've not yet resisted to blood striving against sin. And you've forgotten the exhortation which speaks unto you as unto children. My son despise not thou the chastening of the Lord nor faint when you are rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loves he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. Now you'll hear a lot about God loving people. But you don't hear as much about him correcting you. (laughs) But you can't separate one from the other. Does God love you? Does he love you a lot? Then what can you expect? Correction. Correction. And a lot of it. (laughs) But we live in the midst of a very rebellious people. This is not new. It's always been this way. And, and the earth is not even the worst it's ever been. Someone says, oh yeah, it's good. No, no. Mm-mm. It don't compare to the days of Noah. The earth was filled with violence. I'm not saying it's all good, but it's not even close to being as bad as it has been in times past. But the big problem is God's creation has rebelled against him. Stubborn, rebellious, disobedient. And won't receive any correction from him. Won't receive and yield to his lordship. Won't do what he tells them to do. There is a group in the earth though. That has chosen to bow their knee. To the King of kings and Lord of lords. Hallelujah. And if he is your Lord. Then he tells you what to do. Many actually have received Jesus as their savior. But they haven't really received him as Lord. They still run their own life. Totally. And if you're going to follow the master. 
And let the master teach you how to live by faith and run your race by faith. And how that you can become more and more like him. You have to be teachable. You must be correctable. You must be able to take reproof. Rebuke. Even if it's not couched in the politically correct soft tones. (laughs) And preceded by compliments. Did Jesus correct his disciples that walked with him on the earth when he was here? Did he? Come on, help me out now. Did he or not? Have you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Did he correct people? Did he do it strongly sometimes? Has he changed? Have you arrived at Christ-like perfection? Then that means, I have it, you have it, then that means there's a lot of stuff we still have thought wrong about. A lot of things we've been doing wrong. Maybe didn't see it that it's wrong. We need instruction. And we need correction. It's how we get from where we are to Christ-like perfection. And if you see it right, you don't despise it. You receive it. And you're thankful for it. You appreciate the help. You're not so proud as to assume you didn't need it. You know you need it. You know you don't know everything. And you receive it and you're glad. You feel that way? Say it out loud then, Father God. I do want to be more like the Master every day. I know I have not arrived. I know I need to be taught. I know I need to be corrected. I will receive it. I'll be glad and receive it and change in Jesus' name. He cautions and warns us about despising it. Keep reading. Keep reading. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with the sons. We should realize it's evidence of love. He loves me too much to leave me like I am. People say, well, you you have to accept me the way I am. No, you shouldn't accept you the way you are. (laughs) I can love you right now, no matter where you are, but it doesn't mean I have to love and accept all your ungodly ways. No, see, this is a distortion and a perversion of the gospel. People say, well, I'm perfect just the way I am. Are you kidding us? (laughs) You know better. That's like saying, I have arrived. I have arrived. Everything I think is exactly like God thinks. Everything I say is exactly like Jesus speaks. Everything I do is exactly like the master. I'm arrived. I got there yesterday at 530. I'm there. (laughs) You know that's not true. If it's not true, 
you need some more input. You need some more instruction. And at any place you're at odds with the truth, you need correction. Amen. It's not a bad thing. It's not only you that need it. Everybody needs it. And when the Lord's correcting you, he's just dealing with you as his child. Keep reading, verse 8. If you be without chastisement, whereof all the partakers, then are you, most translations say, illegitimate, and you're not sons. Well, are, are you a child of his or not? Yes. Well, children get corrected. Amen. Furthermore, we've had fathers of our flesh which corrected us. We gave them reverence or respect. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? Keep reading. For they verily for a few days chastened us after our own pleasure, or that as they thought best. Parents, all parents have made mistakes. Maybe they thought they were doing the right thing, but uh, at least you had some input. So my my parents were too strict with me. Probably better than them being too loose. If you don't try to do anything with people, it means you don't care about them. Not even trying to correct them shows you don't love them, no matter what you say. Well, I just can't stand them being mad at me. Exactly. You care more about how you feel than how they turn out. You've got to be willing to put up with pouting. People not liking you. Whatever the case may be. If it helps them miss destruction and have a good life. Come on, is that right? That's what the Bible said about children and parents. That children obey your parents. This is the first commandment with a promise. Why? So that it may go well with you and you may live a long time on the earth. What does that mean? If you don't get correction, you don't learn how to submit, you don't learn how to control your temper and your stubbornness, it won't go well with you in life. You will mess everything up and you probably won't live very long. This is the Bible. So if you love people, you don't want to see them cut off in midlife. You don't want to see them destroy their marriage or their occupation or all these things. You will correct them. Whether they want it or not. Whether they like it or not. That's still up to them whether they receive it. He, God, corrects us and chastens us for our profit. That we might be partakers of his holiness. This is his perfection. Keep reading. No chastening for the present seems to be joyous but grievous. It's not enjoyable when you get corrected. You still need it. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to them which are exercised thereby. Uh, To say it another way, afterward it's great because you get things right. You get right. Keep going. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Now, did he change subjects right here? No. The, The first word is wherefore. Connecting what he just said with this. Wherefore do what? Lift up the hands which hang down. Now see, he had already warned us previously about being faint. Why would you be faint? Despising correction. 
fainting in your mind. Hands hanging down and knees have become feeble. Keep reading. Make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. Let it rather be healed. Let it rather be healed. Let it be healed. Keep reading. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Keep reading. Looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. Now, has he changed the subject? He has not. Why would you get bitter? Back up again to verse 15. Why would somebody get a root of bitterness in them? Because they didn't let it be healed. Something hurt them and they didn't, I know it's not the perfect English, but I'm quoting the scripture, they didn't let it be healed. I said something hurt them, something made them mad, something upset them. But instead of responding the right way and receiving the correction, making the changes, they didn't do that. They nursed the hurts and wouldn't let them be healed. And it festered and became a root of bitterness inside them. And as time went on, they just continued to stay angry and stay upset and stay mad with people and got weaker and weaker and fainted and quit And left. And got out. Come on can you see this now. And fail of the grace of God. Fail to receive. Fail to enjoy. And fail to have the benefits of the grace of God. Friends without the grace of God. We don't succeed. We don't make it. We must have his grace. Another word for his grace is his help. All kinds of help that's just given to you. Who gets the, uh, the grace of God? Does anybody remember from the scriptures? Who get, hold your place there in uh, Hebrews and go to the book just, just real close by. Go to the book of James. James. And the uh, fourth chapter. James 4 and 5. Do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit that dwells in us lusts to envy? Now some people have tried to say that that refers to the Holy Spirit. But there is no way the Holy Spirit has anything to do with envy. Envy is one of the most evil things there has ever been. It is is the very nature of the devil himself. The thing, the Bible said that Lucifer, who was not created the devil, is created a being of light. He was perfect. That's what God creates. 
until iniquity was found in him, discovered in him. God didn't create the devil. The devil created the devil. He perverted what God gave him and twisted it into this. And one of the big things that motivated him was envy of God. God had made him an amazing being. We really have no idea how spectacular a being he was. But that wasn't enough for him. He wants to be God. Look at the evil of envy. Completely unthankful for what God has done for you. And zero love for God. If you want to overthrow God after he made you. Come on, can you see this? Gave you everything that you got. Total selfishness and self-centeredness is only about what I want. Envy is evil. He said, verse 6, but he gives more grace. Wherefore, he says, God does what with the proud? Resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Who gets the grace? Not the proud. Well, what if you don't get grace? You don't get help. You're not going to be all right. You're not going to be okay. How many would acknowledge, I need his help every day? Would you say that? I said, no, listen, I need need his grace. Who's going to get it? Not everybody. The ones that get it are the ones who humble themselves. Well, a humble person is a teachable person, is a correctable person. Come on, can you see this? When you refuse to receive instruction, nobody can tell you anything. When you refuse to receive correction and you won't change, you're being proud. And you can't receive help to fix something you won't even admit is a problem. Is that right? You can't receive forgiveness for something and you won't even admit that you missed it. It puts you in a place where you forfeit the grace of God. You fail of the grace of God. How many would say this is a very serious place to be? You're you're not going to make it. You stay like this long enough. Being hard-headed and stubborn and rebellious and unteachable is one of the worst things you could ever be. It'll put you in a place where the grace of God is not able to help you. Somebody say, not me, not me. By the grace of God, not me. Well, it's not his choice. It's our choice. It's our choice. God resists the proud. I do not want God resisting me. But he gives grace to the humble. I do want grace, and I want more grace. Friend, the grace of God is amazing. With enough grace... You can receive anything. If you've been coming short, struggling with it, with some more grace, you can come on up and get it. With enough grace, you can overcome any sin, any habit, any addiction. I'm telling you, with enough help from God, you can overcome anything, anything. 
anything. You can receive anything. You can do anything. Nothing's impossible with enough faith and grace. But if you're proud, you won't get it. You won't get it. We should become very interested in humility. Real humility. Jesus said, you want to learn about me? I'm meek. Didn't he say that? You want to be like me? I'm meek and lowly in heart. Come, you'll find rest to your soul. He said, verse 7, Submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. And the 10th verse says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and what will happen? He shall lift you up. When you do what? When you humble yourself. When you humble yourself. Go back to Hebrews 12. And let's talk a little bit more about this. He mentions the example. Of. uh, Well verse 16. Esau. Let's read 15 and 16 together. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Not only does this affect you, it can contaminate people spiritually that are around you. What? Bitterness. Bitterness. We've been talking about on Friday nights, the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's the exact opposite of being bitter, isn't it? There's no excuse for a child of God to be bitter day after day. No excuse. There's forgiveness, there's restoration, but there's no justification for doing it, I'm saying. It's just a bad choice. It's just believing lies. I was dealing with a situation here a few days ago. Bless their heart person who just had a miserable life for a long time and try to help them, they believe lies. They believe people have done things to them that never happened. They believe things were not done for them that were should have been, that it's just a fabrication. It's just completely made up and invented. The devil brought lies to their mind, but they're convinced of it. And so they they believe they are justified in hating these people, in trying to hurt them, in carrying this this bitterness and this acid that's eating away their insides. And if you try to correct them or help them, they won't receive it. No, I know. How do you know? I just know. They're stuck. Have been for years. The grace of God could get them out just like that. Do you believe it or not? The help of God. But they've got to acknowledge the truth. Go go with me to Timothy and look at this. This This is a prayer you can pray for people that are in that situation. It's still up to them. But, you know, even if people don't receive the truth, the mercy of God will bring them back to it again and again. Give them another opportunity. Hallelujah. Do you believe that? Second Timothy, the second chapter. Second Timothy 2, verse 23. 
Foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing they do gender strife. Did you know there's a lot of stuff you just ought not bring up? It will no good will come of it. But uh, verse 24, the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, in meekness. It makes a lot of difference how you come across to people. If you come across know-it-all, self-righteous, holier than thou, I'm going to tell you how it is, and this is what you have to do. A lot of times, just your approach, even though what you're saying is right, your approach is going to put them off and they will shut it down. The proverb says, the sweetness of the lips increases learning. Just you taking a different tone and dialing it back and making a kinder approach could make the difference in them listening to part of it or receiving none of it. He said, in what? In meekness, instructing those who are opposing themselves. It's the truth that many people, their worst enemy is their own self. If God peradventure will give them what? Repentance to what? To the acknowledging of the truth. If the truth will make you free, what do lies do to you? They bind you up. They hold you in prison. Verse 26. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare or the trap of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. If you see somebody in this situation, here's how you pray for them. Lord, would you give them repentance? Repentance is a gift. Would you give them repentance That they may see and acknowledge the truth. That they may recover themselves out of the trap of the devil. There'll still be their choice. Whether they're going to believe the truth or not. But even if they don't today. Don't give up. Pray it again for them next week. Is that right? And the Lord will bring them back to it. He'll show it to them. How many times did he show you some things. Before you you accepted it and received it. But go back to Hebrews 12. He gives us the example of Esau. He said, look diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of what? Repentance though he sought it carefully with tears. The key to people who are in such a bad way being released and and, and set free is them repenting. They can't receive grace as long as they are proud and won't receive the truth and won't receive any correction or instruction. They don't believe there's anything to repent about. So how are they going to get any grace? They won't admit that they're wrong. They won't admit what they've done. So they can't get grace. Can you see what a bad place this is? But if anybody, I don't care how bad you've been, the awful things you may have done, it just doesn't get too bad for the blood of Jesus to cleanse and wash. If you will genuinely humble your heart 
and come before the Lord and receive the instruction and the truth and admit and receive the correction, grace will flow to you. Hallelujah. And if you'll humble yourself before the Lord, He will lift you up. Oh, He will lift you up out of the mire, out of the trash, out of the sin, out of the death, out of the condemnation and shame. He will lift you up. But if you won't repent, you can't be helped. I know that's a big statement, but it is the truth. If God can't help you with his grace, what can we do? And it's not that it can't happen. It's you won't repent. It's not that he won't forgive. It's that you won't humble yourself and receive it. No, friend. You want to know how to get things to happen quickly in your life? Anybody interested? Miracles, healings, bills paid, knees met. I'm telling you, you want to know how for it to happen quickly? Anybody want to know? Telling you the truth now. Here's how. Be quick to believe. Quick to forgive. Quick to repent. Quick to obey. And you'll see things will come into your life quickly. Hallelujah. Help will come quickly. Healing will come quickly. Provision will come quickly. Do you believe it, saints? In Hebrews 12. Finishing, I think. What happened to Esau? Same thing had happened with Cain. If you were here with us a few weeks ago, we talked about Cain and Abel. If not, go get the message. It'll help you. What happened to Cain and Abel? Abel outgave Cain. The first murder in the earth was over an offering. The first judgment recorded in the New Testament church was over an offering. People try to act like offerings don't matter. They're not important. You don't see that in the Bible. They're very important. They reveal your heart. They reveal your priorities. Where your treasure is. That's where your heart will be. Well, Cain brought some stuff, didn't say much about it, but Abel brought what we all know today as Fluffy. (laughs) Fluffy was the best thing he had. It was the greatest, the nicest, the best. And the Bible said God received Abel's offering, but to Cain's offering he did not have respect. And it made Cain so mad. And the Lord warned him. He said, if you do well, won't you be received? What's he telling him? It's not too late. You can fix this. There's no doubt in my mind that Cain knew what he should have given and chose not to. God is fair. He's completely fair and just. And here the Lord's given him another opportunity to get it right. He said, but, he said, sin's at the door here. 
And you better get mastery of this thing. I'm paraphrasing. Or else why is this going to get you? Cain is so mad. He's mad at God. Because he didn't accept his offering. He's embarrassed. Because I don't know. Mom and daddy who else was there. And knew that God didn't receive his offering. And he's especially mad. At that do-gooder Abel. If it hadn't been for Abel giving such a big offering, it wouldn't have shown him up so bad. So it's Abel who's to blame for all of this. Somebody say lies. 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 Abel wasn't thinking about Cain. He loved God. He wants to do something for God. Oh, come on. Can you see this? And what the Lord was telling him is, if you do well, won't you be received? Did Cain need to receive correction? Yes. Did he need to repent yes. and admit he's got no right to be angry like this? That's what the Lord asked him. Why are you so mad? Why are you so mad? He's believing lies. He's envying his brother and how his brother has been made a big deal of and his offering's been accepted of God. And instead of repenting and letting his heart be healed, that root of bitterness got stronger in him until he murdered his brother. And why? What did Abel do to deserve this? He believed lies. Friends, listen. There is a suffering according to the will of God. I'm quoting scripture. It's not suffering being sick and broke. You've been redeemed from the curse of the law. But that doesn't mean you've been redeemed from all suffering. So what does that mean? The Bible said Jesus, though he were a son... Yet learned he obedience by the things that he suffered and he became perfect. What is this talking about? If you are hurt because somebody corrected you, we need to identify exactly what it is that got hurt. Somebody corrected you. Go, go with me to, to 1 Peter 2. 1 Peter 2 and 18. Servants, be subject to your masters. Now somebody said, well, thank God we don't have slavery in this country today. You could just put uh, employees. <laughs> be subject to your employers. Or whoever is over you in any situation... Be subject to them with all fear or respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. Does anybody know what froward means? It means overbearing. It means unkind. You'd probably call it mean. Surely the Lord would not tell you. 
to be subject to people that act mean sometimes. Well, he just did. But another thing you got to realize, sometimes what you call mean is just you having a bad day. What you call unfair may not be unfair at all. Your perception. And there, there are cases where people did treat you bad, and there are other cases where you just thought they did. But the effect is the same. What do you say? Be subject to your masters, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the forward. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it if you be buffeted for your fault, you take it patiently. But if you do well and suffer for it and take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. Friends, you cannot, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm moving too quick here. This is so big. Uh, go to the fifth chapter of First Peter. First Peter 5. Somebody say, thank you, Lord, for helping us. 1 Peter 5 and 5. Likewise, you younger, do what? Amen. Submit yourselves. Submit is like a cuss word in our generation. Oh, people despise it, which is the same thing as despising correction. Which really is the same thing as despising God's love. Because who he loves, he corrects. He does it directly. He also does it through people. And the people may not always get it right. Still doesn't mean you don't need to be corrected. Even if they don't do it right. There's something bigger going on. You younger, submit yourselves to the elder. All of you be subject one to another. Be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Same thing we saw in James. Keep reading. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Does your flesh want to be humble? It does not. This is mine does. No, it does not. No, it does not. <laughs> people, some people say, well, you know, I, I just, I don't have much trouble with pride. You're confused. <laughs> you got flesh, don't you? Then you got pride. You don't have trouble with something you just yield to. It's when you start resisting it and you find out how much of it is there, then you begin to realize Oh, man. Casting all your care on him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Did he change subjects, or is he still talking about humility and pride and these things? This is how the enemy is able to devour, by getting you to be like him, proud, defiant, disobedient. Because that, in that case, you're not yielding to God. You're not submitting yourself to God. You're yielding to the enemy. And if you yield to him, he can come in and destroy and kill. Still. 
whom resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you've suffered a while. Say what? (laughs) After you've suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Does this sound like being like the master? Do you think he walked established, perfected, settled, strong? How are you going to get there? What kind of suffering is he talking about? See, people are taking this and twisting it all up. This is not talking about suffering, being sick. Jesus took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses and carried your pains. By his stripes you're healed. It's talking about suffering poverty. No, it is not. No, it is not. It's talking about suffering, humbling yourself, getting rid of the ugly, devilish pride. Pride. And it hurts. Somebody corrected you. They did it harshly. And you were hurt. We need to examine that. What was hurt about you? (laughs) Exactly what was it that hurt you so bad? It was your pride. And guess what? It needs to be hurt. It needs to be killed. It needs to die. And you didn't realize how much of it was there. Until you got hurt so much over it. And maybe they didn't do or say everything right. But I want you to understand this. The Lord will allow things. And situations. That expose your pride. So you can deal with it and get free of it. So he can promote you. So he can use you more. Amen. So he can give you more grace. He can't give grace to the proud. That's right. He's not involved in anything unfair. He's not involved in anything mean. But he will allow situations to where the finger is put on your pride. Is it fun? It is not fun. It hurts. But you've got to come to the realization, why did this bother me so bad? Why did this hurt me so bad? Why? It just hurt me so bad. It hurt what? What exactly did it hurt so bad? I want you to listen to something here. How could they do this to me? After everything I've done for them, they don't appreciate Me. I don't have to take this. Are you hearing a recurring thing? (laughs) What, What got hurt? Pride. There is no such thing as a good pride. There's no such thing as a good pride. It is the nature of the devil. God hates it. You should hate it too. Situations are going to come up. 
you're going to be called on something. It's going to be embarrassing. It can hurt. But what's in the balance here? Am I going to act like Cain? And let this fester in me? Blame everybody else but me? Or am I going to rather let it be healed? Let it be healed. Not get discouraged. Not give up and quit. Not let my hands hang down. Not let my knees buckle and go, nothing I do is ever good enough. They don't appreciate me. Who said they had to? And what people don't realize, they quit church, they quit jobs, they quit marriages. What they don't realize, they didn't just quit these people, they quit God. And the thing is, you're supposed to love him so much that you will tolerate and deal with whatever you have to, but you're not leaving the place he put you, and you're not stopping doing what he told you to do. Come on, are you listening? You, if you need to be corrected, you will take it. You will let that pride be hurt and choked and killed. Some things need to die. And it is this ugly pride that needs to die. There is no easy way to deal with this. And all of us have it. I know some 25 years ago especially I the Lord began to show me some things about pride and humility. I would never much interested in it before that like a lot of people. And uh, as he did I began to see oh my we have been so proud. Men in my family so proud. I identified it as being a man. It's part of being a man. You got your pride. God hates it. It's the nature of the devil. My great granddad was shot and killed when he was 21 because of his pride. Wouldn't back down. He brought a knife to a gunfight. Yeah. Grandpa on my other side, same thing. Shot, killed, dead, 21. Wouldn't back down. I've seen my grandfather cross a fence onto somebody else's land, back down a dozen men, armed. He didn't die. That's the mercy of God. <laughs> I said, well, it's being a man. It's being stupid. <laughs> there are times to stand and fight, to protect. But it wasn't about that. It's about, I don't back down. You can't teach me. You can't correct me. Come on, are you listening? And if you take this stance, you will not develop and become like the master. You can't be perfected. When you're wrong, you're wrong. It's time to admit it. It's time to humble yourself. I want you to practice something with me. Maybe a long time since you said it, but... I'm going to help you out. Just practice it. Everybody said out loud. I was wrong. I was wrong. <laughs> You're right. 
Come on, let's try it again. I, I was wrong. I was wrong. You're right. You're right. I, will I will change. No excuses. No add-ons. Just, you're right. I'm wrong. I'm changing right now. If you'll do that, the mighty, amazing grace of God will come into your life and teach you everything you need to learn, give you strength in your spirit, help you out. Come on, do you want this? Next thing you know, and who is there among us who's always right about everything? Who doesn't need to be corrected? It's the love of God. Receive it. Be glad about it and let him promote you. What did he say? If you'll humble yourself, God will lift you up. Stand on your feet. Let's receive communion over this today about being teachable, being humble, being correctable. No matter how you've been in the past, someone said, well, that's just the way I am. Don't believe such lies. Every one of us is the way we have become, not the way we have to be. Someone said, well, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Thankfully, you're not an old dog. You're a new creature. Huh? And with new creations, all things are possible to those that believe. <laughs> when we take communion today, here and in Branson and everybody online. I want us to take communion over this. That we are turning a page. I am no longer. Am I going to be prideful. And stubborn. And won't receive correction. I'm not going to be that way. Come on are y'all with me. I'm not going to be that way. I'm not going to be that way. Say it out loud. Father God. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for sparing me. Thank you for forgiving me. Even when I've done prideful things, even when I've been rebellious, disobedient, but I don't want to be that way. I choose not to be that way. And with your help, I won't be that way. Beginning right now, I will be teachable, correctable, humble, and obedient. In Jesus' name, thank you for lifting me up, helping me to become just like Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Lift up your hands and praise God. Praise God. Praise God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.